BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller? I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast in which we speak with some of the brightest minds working in the media business today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. Today on the pod, a twofer. We've got an interview with Phil Weiser, the CTO at Paramount Global. He sat down earlier this summer at the Collision Tech Conference in Toronto with my colleague at Variety VIP, Heidi Chung to talk about a wide range of technologies that his company is investing in. But before we get to that, I'm going to try something new on the Strictly Business podcast. For the past 10 weeks, I've been writing a new column on Variety Intelligence Platform called The Mogul Memo. Each installment is addressed to a different mogul in the media world, maybe a CEO like Netflix's Ted Sarandos, or the new top executive at Elon Musk's ex, Linda Yaccarino and you'll find it candid in tone. That might actually be an understatement. Anyway, this week we're bringing the Mogul Memo to podcast form. Call it the Mogul Monologue, if you will. It's addressed this week to Scooter Braun, the pop star Svengali who's been all over the headlines, so you don't want to miss this one. And you don't want to miss a Mogul Memo. Check them all out if you haven't yet at variety.com slash mogulmemo. Most are behind the VIP paywall, but now's as good a time as any to join VIP if you haven't already. Take advantage of a discounted rate. Head over today to variety.com slash VIP save. But that's enough promotion for me. Enjoy the strictly business debut of the Mogul Memo. 
featuring Scooter Braun, followed by Heidi Chung's interview with Paramount CTO Bill Weiser. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. back enjoy the strictly business debut of the mogul memo featuring scooter braun followed by heidi chung's interview with paramount cto phil weiser dear scooter i would have reached out sooner but honestly it's so awkward i don't know what to say hallmark doesn't make any sorry your career imploded sympathy cards After all, it's not every day a well-known music industry manager watches a trio of his best clients walk out the door all at once. It's bad enough losing Justin Bieber, but for the world to learn that you also recently lost Demi Lovato and Ariana Grande, that's rough. That said, the terms of the supposed departure are murky, to say the least, as a source from your camp issued a statement to Variety suggesting your clients technically haven't moved on, though you kind of have. Quote, All of Scooter Braun's clients are under contract and negotiations have been going on for several months as Scooter steps into his larger role as Hybe America CEO. End quote. 
Hive America is something of a side gig you've held down for the past two years, but as Variety's Jem Aswad recently reported, it's increasingly become your main focus. And that, I think, Scooter, is central to understanding why you lost these clients. As a lot of the reporting this past week supports, I think you deluded yourself for too long into thinking that you could have kept them in the fold by delegating the management to others on your team. That's a notorious no-no in the manager business, where bedside manner is everything. But I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about running out of steam. When I think about the fact that you had to deal with handling the kind of personal lives Bieber, Grande, Lovato led, not to mention until 2018, Kanye West? You qualify for hazard pay, early retirement, maybe a lifetime supply of Zoloft. As for your own personal take on this PR crisis, all we have to go on was a joke you made on Twitter, sorry, X where you proclaimed, quote, breaking news, I'm no longer managing myself, end quote. Thanks for clarifying, Scooter. Since you've clearly retained your sense of humor, you couldn't possibly be upset. Or maybe you're just trying to look like you're not upset. The thing is, no one could blame you if you were actually upset, considering the legions of Taylor Swift fans currently calling you out on social media for the sin of buying her record company back in 2019, which Swift has characterized as stealing her masters out from under her. Lightning rod that deal turned out to be, it actually sparked a series of brilliant transactions on your part to flip your own company to South Korean K-pop giant Hybe for just over a billion dollars in 2021, giving you a seat on the company's board and the CEO position at Hybe America. Of course, no one really knows you from that job. They know you as a manager. And now they know you as a manager who has lost all of his best clients at the same time. Now, this wouldn't look as bad as it does if the gig at Hybe America you were moving on to wasn't such a, hmm, and I'm putting this charitably, a work in progress. Hive America has to be understood first and foremost as an attempt at diversification away from the Hive mothership, the K-pop factory that gave the world the Korean boy band BTS. And that's no small load to carry because BTS is currently on hiatus for the next few years. Good luck generating new business while that cash cow takes a breather. What Hive America is primarily is big machine label group the controversial home of Swift's first six albums, which you acquired for more than $300 million. Nearly four years later, you spent about the same amount for hip-hop label Quality Control, home of chart toppers including Lil Baby and Lil Yachty. What's more, Bloomberg reported in June that Hybe was looking to arrange financing for another $380 million to make more deals in the U.S., which all sounds great, Scooter, except for when I ask myself what no one seems to have noticed in this mess, which is, what have you been doing for the past two years? You've already been at Hive America. Peruse the first details in your bio, for instance, and what is characterized as a, quote, elite portfolio of acquisitions and partnerships, end quote, does not seem very elite. For instance, it's mentioned a 
four-year-old alliance with Marvel Studios founder David Maisel that seems to be about building a new superhero franchise that so far hasn't produced much but a forgettable NFT collection. There's also a partnership with veteran unscripted producer J.D. Roth that so far has yielded some pretty forgettable vanity projects for the clients you just lost. There's also an investment fund at the intersection of music and technology featuring a former BMG president who hasn't been with the fund since May 2022. And there's also an investment firm, TQ Ventures, which, according to a New York Post report last week, is looking to, quote, ditch you. Now, maybe all this is just another sign that you can't be both a mogul and a manager. Maybe if you have another $380 million in your pocket, you can make some moves that will truly convince me you can do something of note at Hive America. I have my doubts, but... I'm going to tell you why I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Because I think this PR crisis is actually a gift in disguise that is going to force you to make a clean break from the management business if you follow my advice. You see, your swift rift reminded me, looking bad in the public eye is something you've acquainted with. You're one of the rare few to walk through this fire and realize the wounds do heal if you have tough enough skin. And unlike most managers who adhere to the cardinal rule of old-school Hollywood representation to remain in the shadows and let their clients soak up the spotlight, you've always broken that rule and built an image for yourself. Kind of like someone who always had an endgame that involved not being a manager. If that's the way you think, most of your shoes don't, and you probably believe in another old-school Hollywood axiom. There's no such thing as bad publicity. And that's why you should look at last week's events, which most may see as an act of self-destruction, as something like an act of reinvention. So, counterintuitive as this sounds, lean into it. Look, there's no getting past the perception you've experienced a big setback. But that's okay, because... When a student of the dark arts of PR like yourself can appreciate is that there is a flip side to being thrust out of the management business as dramatically as you have, and that's you've sent as clear and loud a signal as you can to the marketplace that you have opened a new chapter in your career. Maybe it wasn't voluntary, and maybe I'm not that confident you're ready for Hive America, but your mogul phase has begun and your manager one has ended. You learn the hard way trying to straddle the two won't work. So, think of your crisis as a chrysalis, a rebranding, or, dare I say, a rebranding. We'll be back in just a minute with Paramount CTO, Phil Weiser. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And now here's Heidi Chung with her interview with Paramount CTO Phil Weiser from the Collision Tech Conference. Hi, everyone. I'm Heidi. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm joined by the Phil Weiser, EVP and Chief Technology Officer at Paramount Global. We're going to get real intimate. We're going to talk about all things tech in media. Okay. And um, I guess to kick things off, we should start sort of from the new beginning, if you will. So the merger between Viacom and CBS in 2019. Tell us how the company has sort of evolved since then. Well, the merger was a great opportunity to rethink what a media company is going forward. We merged CBS and Viacom and Paramount Pictures in the end of 2019. And we took that as an opportunity to say, well, if I were starting this scale of a media company now, how would I rebuild it? So we went and looked at everything from the way we produce content, process it, distribute it, and obviously building out streaming capabilities. And from the ground up, we built that on modern internet cloud uh, technologies, um, which is a, you know, a big undertaking with that complex of an organization. But now, three and a half years later, um, it's really paying off. And we've been able to grow some businesses, which we'll talk about on the back of all that. Yeah. So launch was obviously huge. But now I feel like the streaming industry is sort of dealing with a new set of challenges. So as a consumer, I don't know about all of you, but sometimes I get a little frustrated with apps because the user experience isn't necessarily always great, right? It's sort of hard to find content that you want to watch. Recommendations aren't really that good. So is that, that something that you're thinking about at Paramount Global as well? Constantly. Um, so we'll hit on recommendations. And a lot of these things, we're like, it's the new streaming. This, these are new problems to be tackled. They're not new at all. 
Mm -hmm. uh, my last startup was in 2006, and the premise of that was to use recommendations, and Netflix at the same time, it just put out a challenge to the tech community to come up with better recommendations. So we're here almost 20 years later, still talking about recommendations, <laughs> right? So it's, it's definitely improving, but what we found with recommendations is that user interface integration is the key to success. Mm. You, you don't magically pull a piece of content up and say, you want to watch this now. You just have to make sure that you're modifying the user interface in real time based on that user and also based on the environment that they're in. So we're definitely continuing to innovate there. We have an applied machine learning group mm. that you know, really is our primary focus is on modifying that UI based on now more and more AI. Okay, so algorithms, one way that you're doing that as well. A lot of algorithms, yeah. Okay, great. And they're not all AI algorithms. Good old analytics works in a lot of cases, so. Okay, so I know everyone here wants to hear Phil talk about AI, which we will be getting to in, short, in a short moment, but I do want to talk a little bit about last year. Um, I feel like the conversation last year in 2022 was a lot about the metaverse, was a lot about NFTs, and I know Paramount Global was definitely playing in those areas as well. Where do those initiatives sort of stand right now? Are you still thinking about investing there? Well, why don't we, I won't talk about where we're investing uh, okay. completely, but let's talk about the blockchain NFT world for a bit. And I've, I've been, you know, big on crypto five years ago mm -hmm. um, as a, a storage of, of, of value. Um, but you look back and there's really no significant blockchain platform outside of value store that's been successful and including NFTs, um, except for those that got in early and got out fast. Um, so, you know, we're definitely, you know, continuing to look at the space but not investing heavily in that. Metaverse, we're still looking at, because there is something beyond a touchscreen computer in your pocket that's gonna be a primary user interface. And if you just walk around here, I live in Manhattan, I bump into more people than I can count every day with their face stuck in a phone trying to walk. That heads down experience is going to evolve. Where it goes, whether it's you know, Apple's new device or something that Meta's doing, I'm not really gonna bet completely on that. Betting against Apple's generally a bad idea, but I do feel like that immersive experience is going to get more and more interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's going to be a completely isolated metaverse, as we talked about last year, but we're still looking at that. Uh, give us an update on the NFT stuff that you were working on. Well, we're still in the market. So we, we started out with a Star Trek launch with NFTs that were variations of the enterprise. Um, we've done it with other brands. Uh, we work with a company, Recur, um, that stands up a marketplace for that. We're continuing on that path, but I think like everyone, we're just seeing that it's kind of, it's stalling out to some extent in the market. Okay, so when you're thinking about new opportunities when it comes to tech within media, how do you assess investing in different opportunities that you see? And, and how does that conversation sort of play out in the boardroom? Well, we follow the consumer, right? So um, we're not gonna go to AI yet. You tell me- Not yet, not yet soon. When you can unleash me. But um, <laughs> you know, we look at what's really being adopted and we, we take a, a venture investing approach to these technologies. We go in small, our metaverse investments have been relatively small, but we're building. Same thing with other technologies, but um, really looking at you know, where there's a, a pivot in consumer adoption, because mm -hmm. while we all know these things are gonna happen, when and to what scale is the hardest um, thing to predict. So we're very, I think, hopefully smart at being a fast follower, mm -hmm. making sure we're in, talking to the key players in these spaces, and then we can accelerate when the market really gets traction. Okay, so are you ready for AI or? I'm always ready for AI. <laughs> okay, let's jump in. What is Paramount doing when it comes to AI? How are you thinking about it? Now, AI is not new technology, right? It's been around for quite some time, but this is a new revolution that we're seeing with generative AI. So what are your personal thoughts on it? What, what is the company doing? 
Well, we'll get to the it's not new thing, but yeah. I'm glad that it's hitting this next uh, wave. Uh, we formed our applied machine learning group six years ago, um, which was the last wave. In that 2017 time frame, we started talking naturally to computers with Siri and others, and that was a big breakthrough in terms of, of language processing, so real-time natural language processing. And also, we applied it a lot for image recognition. So we stood up the ability to tag images or video, and then we could, we could modify that. This new phase of generative AI, to me, is you know, a, a fundamental shift. Obviously, in terms of what we can do in all phases of our production and distribution, so we're looking at it primarily now in terms of globalization. Because you know, the ability to automatically convert to many languages and release an asset around the globe is very challenging. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, we've windowed. So if we have, say, a new episode of Yellowstone and we want to push that around the globe, we'd have a couple months before it hit different regions. Now we want that episode to hit everywhere in a couple of weeks, which is really not just feasible in many cases. So we're looking at how we can apply AI machine learning to tackle some of those globalization problems and deal with translation and make it feel very natural and high quality because we do feel like it's a global marketplace and that's a great opportunity. Um, we're also looking at for visual effects, mm. just basic, you know, simple visual effects. We talked about uh, rotoscoping a little earlier, I think. Um, we've got a ton of people that are in there manually editing video. We applied this actually to the Colbert Show, one of our um, CBS properties, uh, where they have to turn around some of these video clips in a matter of hours based on recent news. We took a couple of our editors and applied this, and they took a five-hour task of creating a comedy clip and did it in 10 minutes. So that just proves that, and they're thrilled because the creative idea was there, they knew what they wanted to do, and then they had hours of manual labor to get the, to the end result. In this case, they could flip that around very quickly and, and move on to the next thing. So I think there's going to be a lot of impact on production and then also marketing we should talk about as well. Tell us. Well, you know, as a, as a media company, <laughs> we spend almost all of our money on creating content and marketing it. And um, marketing is really a great application for AI right now because generally the content you're producing is derivative of the original content. And the machine learning algorithms now and AI are very good at modifying existing content or introducing new elements of existing content. So we're applying that you know, at scale to marketing, again, for globalization, also to create a lot of different variants. So we can create different versions of a promo clip or a trailer for a feature um, from different audiences very quickly which is now you know, very manual. So we see a lot of opportunity in that. Okay, so Phil, judging by the way that you're speaking about AI and the way that Paramount is leveraging it. Am I too it, giddy? You That's sound like... really optimistic, but we know that yeah. there are concerns out there, right? Yeah. So despite your bullishness, what are your thoughts on sort of the idea that creatives are like, well, are we gonna be out of a job in a few years? Um, is AI gonna take over and are they gonna be writing scripts? Are they going to be um, you know, help, helping with production to the point where some producers won't even be needed? Like, what are your thoughts on those concerns, job security for, for the creatives? Well, there's, there's a basic reality that this wave of technology will shift where people need to spend their time working. You just can't deny that. Um, but I think it's been overhyped that this AI is gonna go and generate a script, mm -hmm. generate novel new ideas um, that replace what humans are doing. I think it's, it, you know, maybe it'll get there over time and I've had a lot of debates on that topic about what that is. It's kind of a more consciousness existential question that I won't get into. But it, the ability to assist in the way I described that editor on the, um, the Late Show is very real. So we're looking at it from a tool perspective and even in the writer's room, if a writer can have an idea 
and then turn that into a couple pages of text and then curate and, and modify that and even take that idea and say, I want to see what that looks like in a desert and see, you know, pre-visualization of that work in almost real time. That's going to make their creative process much more uh, powerful. And I think we're going to get more ideas. We're going to have more content. And the one thing we're learning from the, the streaming wars that we're all in still is, you know, consumers have a limitless appetite for content which is great as a content company. So we're going to have to continue to create more, even when the pressure's there on streaming to be profitable, mm. which is you know, the level of high quality, theatrical grade, episodic content um, that we're producing is, is now you know, not maintainable. We're going to have to figure out how to produce that high quality content at a lower cost. So Paramount is a company with a treasure trove of IP, right? right. From SpongeBob to you name it. Paramount has created it. So when we're thinking about AI and intellectual property and protecting that IP, how are you sort of thinking about that now? Well, there's a couple elements. Like one is understanding um, what our rights are. And I, when I, I did a um, presentation for our senior leadership team at Paramount back in December, where I lost a Saturday, I'm sure many of you have lost a Saturday, <laughs> playing around with Midjourney, Dolly, you name it, ChatGBT3 had just come out. But I did a presentation and I went in there and I generated a picture of the Transformers on the Paramount Pictures lot, which blew people away. Like we knew there would be a, you know, a character from Transformers in one of these models. But the fact that it could place it on our lot next to our cafe blew people away to just the level of information that's in there right now. Now, we're not blocking that right now. We're trying to understand what it means for us. Mm -hmm. um, but there will be more and more regulation coming in. I was actually somewhat pleased to see what was coming out in Washington, D.C. as ideas from Congress that were pretty pragmatic yeah. and not just going straight to it. it. all has to be explainable. You have to tell us everything you're training your models on, but more of like if it's clearly a violation of copyright, there has to be some way that we can take action on it. I mean, I hear what you're saying with regulation, but I feel like if we've seen any other big tech hearing, uh, these people sometimes don't know what they're talking about, right? So when it comes to AI, they seem a lot more... I guess, read up on it, more understanding of the technology. But do you think the government can regulate quickly enough? Because this technology is so quick, right? It's rapidly evolving. Um, so I guess, like, are there any concerns on that front at all? Yeah, my view is they should do the best they can while not doing damage. And that's actually what <laughs> I liked hearing coming out was that kind of mindset that clearly this is going to move faster than we can stop it. This moratorium concept's kind of ridiculous. Um, nobody's going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but if we're thoughtful and we have people like Sam Altman coming in and talking to us, yeah. then we can figure out what makes sense in the near term and set us up for a longer term. I think doing nothing is the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Um, I really do. And we've learned our lesson from social media, which you've heard a lot. So I think doing something but being thoughtful is, is the right, right approach. Okay, so not to put you on the spot, but to kind of put you on the spot. Oh. <laughs> Give us a little bit of a prediction where you think AI within media and entertainment could potentially be in the next six months to 12 months. Uh, do you think it'll still be talk of the town? Are we still going to be talking about this at every conference? Um, what are your thoughts there? I'm not sure where the hype is going to go off the other side of it. I think we will, because you know, if you just look at the adoption rate and the stickiness of, of the consumer-facing tools, um, there's, there's something there that's going to persist. Um, I think on the production side, it's going to be slower because we've got these complicated labor issues and we want to make sure we get it right. And there's going to be a lot of questions around quality. But I think there's going to be a Pixar moment mm. where some creative really leans into this, like a James Cameron type figure, who knows who it is, <laughs> and 
figures out how to apply this to a story that's really compelling and can you know, deal with the limitations of video generated this way, but really blows people away in terms of the way it impacts them. I don't know when that's going to come, but somebody's going to do it. And I think that's when, on the creative side, we get a real tip in the market. Great, great. Um, okay, so let's take a little bit of a step back. I feel like we talked quite a bit about AI. I do want to get some additional insights from you on just what else within, whether it's streaming, within production, like what other tech uh, strategies are you thinking about operationally right now? You know what's interesting we didn't touch on? is It's actually a VR variant, is okay. virtual productions. So the Mandalorians, obviously, the, if you've heard of it, the Mandalorian was filmed on a virtual set. So they didn't have to go to a physical set. It was all LED volumes. And that approach took a while to figure out, but now a lot of content is being shot inside of a game engine. So the use of Unreal Engine in the middle of high-quality productions is, I think, going to continue to take off. And Epic's done a great job you know, updating the Unreal Engine for high-quality video production. So I think that's going to be a really big, super interesting trend. Um, one other thing, I feel like we have to talk about gaming because the last panel really went in heavily there. But, you know, we have companies like Netflix making bets on gaming. A lot of folks in media think that's like the next big opportunity. How do you view gaming at Paramount? I think gaming is a great, huge market. Obviously, it's eclipsed, um, you know, the theatrical market. Um, but we like to license our brands into people that know how to make those experiences. Um, I'm a skeptic that integrating a, a lean forward gaming experience into the middle of a laid back video passive consumption experience, I don't think it makes any sense. And um, people can I debate that all the time. So I'm you know, not the only one thinking that I have a lot of people that don't agree. But it just it hasn't it hasn't played out. And I you know, I've played around with people that have tried to do different narratives. And the one thing that I would point to is Five years ago, everyone thought all streaming services were going to be consumed on mobile phones. That was obvious logic given what happened um, in, the, in the 2010s. And what we're seeing now is most of the video minutes consumed are on a lean back big screen TV. And, and that is something that we have to learn from to say there is a distinction between those experiences. And I just don't see the convergence of them in a single UI. I think there's going to be more and more gaming that's derivative from our IP, but I don't see it completely integrated. Rest in peace, Quibi, right? <laughs> but, but look, the next phase of it could be something beyond leaning down and touching a little uh, screen that you have to carry around in your pocket. And you know what Apple unveiled in terms of a very high quality, large scale lean back yeah. experience, that could be the shift. And we've been, we've been poking around at that for 10 years as well to get the form factor of the hardware right, get through some of the physical uh, limitations of that, but if they get it right, that could be the next shift to make it more interactive. So mixed reality. Mixed reality, yeah. I mean, I was pretty shocked when Bob Iger came out on stage with, or he came out to talk about that. I was not expecting that. But it looks like um, a lot of folks are thinking about that being a major, major opportunity going forward. Yeah. Um, so anything else that you kind of want us to be thinking about when we're thinking about technology within media and entertainment? Well, I'll hit on the AI thing again, because I think there's a big challenge to the technology and entrepreneurial community, like nobody can create great video with AI yet. Like you've got people, I'm, I'm on multiple Twitter feeds every day of people like, AI is gonna take over Hollywood and then you go watch the same stylized <laughs> dogs, you know, shooting guns clips that are stitched together and like that's not gonna kill Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at the video, it's very flickery. Um, so there's fundamental architecture issues that need to be resolved. 
So whoever can figure out mm -hmm. um, how to build a multimodal um, system that stitches together different models and can be a real high quality production tool um, in the middle of, of these video creation processes, that's, that's super interesting. I'd love to talk to anyone that has ideas on that uh, because I'm you know, going deep on it and working with the big companies. And it's, to me, that's the uncharted territory at this point is really you know, getting video production you know, coming out of these models in a meaningful way. But by your estimate, how difficult and how long do you think that would take? I've got my, you know, my six month, you know, deep dive view yeah. on it. I think there's going to have to be an architectural shift in the models. Mm. So, you know, GPTs are not going to solve it. Mm. Um, so there, I, I think it's not a matter of just throwing a bunch of data at it. There's going to have to be some architecture design, which means it's going to take a little bit longer. But I would imagine there's so much energy around it in the next, say, two to three years, there'll be something really significant that breaks through. Hopefully a GPT type of technology breakthrough that enables it to perform better for video. Any other nope. parting thoughts? No, just keep going at it. I was really excited. Uh, we didn't talk about it. My background is the startup land. I came out of the Bay Area, invested in a couple dozen, and started two of my own companies. So I just love the energy here. It's great. Glad I could be here. Real honor. Thank you, Phil. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, Peanut Butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of Peanut Butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.